Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to KafaruCast. Today, we've got a guest that I've looked forward to getting on here for quite a while. I'm, I'm relatively unknown to exactly what he does, but since I'm physically all fucked up, I'm excited to get him on here. And it's uh, Matthew Bernier. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, now, you just started bow hunting uh, recently, got a bear this year, and you are a kind of a muscle connective tissue body fixer guy. Uh, kind of explain what you do for, for a living. It's very, very intriguing to me. Uh, I'm a soft tissue specialist, I'd say. So I've done a lot of... Uh... I've done a lot of studying of anatomy. Probably the most exciting part of the hunting thing when I started this was the taking of the animal apart. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I shot that bear, everybody said, wow, you, have you ever processed an animal before? I'm like, no, but feeling the anatomy, feeling the spinous processes, feeling the scapula, all that stuff. I've, I've done a bunch of cadaver dissection. Uh, I think that's the best way to learn human anatomy. So I've quote unquote processed a human being <laughs> yeah which isn't which isn't a whole lot different than a bear once you get them uh, the hide off you're yeah. kind of like whoa that looks a lot like me it was pretty cool the pictures of the arms it was interesting how little their calves are mm -hmm. and how massive their hamstrings are holy crap their hamstrings are huge so i do body work uh i've taken every course from Rolfing to connective tissue work to myofascial work. There's a lot of really, it, it seems very similar to the hunting world in that you've been talking a lot. I listened to the podcast. I went back when I first, I bought my bow in February, first started shooting a bow in February. And, uh, it seems like there's a lot of religions in the world that people get on a specific thing and that's even, a good way to put it yeah <laughs> right exercise is very very similar in that way there's not a lot of science-based work out there there's you can look at exercise as far as physics goes break it down you know when people start trying to sell you or they go oh that's fascial or oh that's well you get i mean the way kind of the, what i think you're saying is if you get a important enough person, a person enough, a sphere of influence, and he says something as gospel, eventually it becomes religion or bro science, and it may not be true, or, or it could be misinformation. And coming from kind of, um, I say coming from, but doing bodybuilding, more powerlifting than anything, you do find a lot of bro science that becomes gospel in the gym and then later on as i learned more about nutrition from people that actually knew what they were doing like why am i taking in 380 grams of protein a day when my body only actually has 128 pounds of muscle my bones don't take it you know or whatever or how much does your body assimilate of what you know okay I'm, I'm taking all these different pills then later on i learned like okay i'm taking vitamin 12 b12 pills my body only takes in 10% of what I'm actually ingesting or whatever. Is that kind of what you're saying is bro science type stuff? Very, very similar to that. Okay. It's, it's, it's kind of like you think about stretching and there needs to be, there needs to be uh, range of motion work, mm -hmm. but you've taken a bunch of animals apart. Yeah. How stretchy is that muscle? Is that, is that meat mm -hmm. muscle? 
inside that animal. Not very stretchy. It's no. not very stretchy. No. Now, it does change length. Mm-hmm. There's a process called cross bridging. There's actin and myosin filaments that overlap. That is why the tissue bulks up. Okay. When it shortens. Okay. Right? Yeah. When you flex, the tissue gets thicker and shorter. Well, there's an overlapping of tissue. That's why it gets thicker and shorter. Well, that's the way tissue changes length. Like if I took my belt and I hooked it at the very smallest loop, Mm -hmm. the belt wouldn't be shorter. It would just be adjusted to a different length. Gotcha. That's what I try to do with people that have quote unquote range of motion problems. Which is why I wanted you to get on here because I'm fucked up. Like I have serious range of motion issues. Everybody is. And you guys listening to the podcast, listen to you guys, how you work out, listen to the work that you do. I thought I was way tougher. Well, I have a lot of grit Mm -hmm. and there's workouts that need to be done to build grit. Mm -hmm. You need to build... Just toughness. Mm-hmm. That's why you can see guys that don't look in that good of shape do crazy stuff. Right. Because they got grit. Yep. Well, pushing yourself beyond these levels of what you're actually capable of, you should do. Mm-hmm. Just not every single workout if you don't want to be broken. Not saying that's what you do, but you do a heavy volume of stuff. All the shooting that you do. Taking that into account when you do your lifting. Because it's like, man, do you actually really need to do arms? Right. You do arms. How many how many arrows you shoot a day? A lot. I mean, on, you know, three to four hundred, I bet. Right. Um, whether it's in the garage or at distance, I shoot a lot. And as I've gotten, I, how old are you? I'm 46. Yeah, and I'm, you know, close, right? And as I've kind of at 37, 38, shit started to go downhill. Not in the sense of um, go downhill like, uh, you know, I'm falling apart, but more like... The wear and tear. Yeah, range of motion, wear and tear. Oh, my elbow's hurting now, and I'm not recovering. And some of the things that I have um, changed dramatically is I don't lift crazy heavy anymore like I used to but I do um a lot higher reps and a lot uh I I don't I don't take the breaks meaning I I, you know 30 second interval or a 30 second break between not that I know that this is right I'm doing it more off of applied on the ground like this is I'm not flipping tires um as much you know when I hunt nothing wrong with flipping tires I'm not bench pressing uh you know three sets of of uh five of of 400 pounds when I'm hunting so now I do what for example 225 or even 145 and I do leg lifts as the the bar comes down the legs come up so I'm trying to do more of a full body workout where I could run into problems which I'm very, you know, a million questions for you is range of motion, muscle knots, fascia tissue sticking together, or whatever the hell it's called when I get uh, like, like calf issues. Right. My calves in the center of my calves, like where the two heads meet or whatever, that like sticks together sometimes. I don't know what you'd want to call it. So I started using voodoo floss and trying to roll it. And one thing I found is stretching which was when Alex mentioned to you, you, you talked about maybe you shouldn't, I don't, you'll explain it, but I'm like, stretching isn't really 
getting it for me. It's not fixing the problem where breaking that up kind of did, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But so what now? And you're also a martial artist, correct? I, I am. I started. So it's it's interesting. You talk about this get to 38 years old and things start to cause problems. Yeah. And they start to limit. And that's why people come see me. Mm-hmm. There's something that they cannot do. Mm-hmm. People don't care until you can't do something that you want to do. I was that way at 24. Mm-hmm. I wrestled from age seven all the way through college. And I was the guy, I was a workhorse, man. I was never the most skilled. I realized that when I got to college, I was like, wow, these guys are are good. Yeah, just I can, naturally gifted. I can outwork a lot of them. But the guys that work and are really skilled at what they do, holy crap, man, they are they are good. And I was really broken at about 24 years old. I had all those same issues that everybody talks about at 40. Everybody's like, oh, what are you going to be like at 50? I'm like, 50? I'm scared of 30. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like scared of 30. And I'm better at 46 than I've been in – a really long time. Mm -hmm. And when I started jujitsu, I told myself, I was like, I don't know if grappling is a sport you can do at, as an older adult and not be broken all the time. Mm -hmm. And that was my goal is to do jujitsu and not be broken. I have a hard time with intensity though. I love some intensity. And when you fight someone, It's intense. Mm-hmm. So there's – I always talk to people about the the kind of three to four things you can modify when you're looking at your workout. Volume, mm-hmm. intensity, and duration. Yeah. Right? And I like the intensity. So the volume and the duration, hour and a half class, and I only do it one to two days a week. Gotcha. And I'm a long-term guy. Mm-hmm. That's why this first hunting season was like, well, I've only been doing this nine months. Like yeah. I started shooting a bow February 1st and uh, with life, business, two kids, I can shoot two, three days a week. I would love, like, I do like that my son, he will, he gets up at 5 a.m. every day. Mm-hmm. Over the summer, we were at Bear Creek mm-hmm. at six, right when sun came up because my son, you want to go shoot? Yeah, daddy. Yeah, nice, daddy. Ready Let's to roll. Go. He's ready to go. And uh, so I don't do a lot of volume right. with the with the martial arts because it's so intense. You're getting in a fight. People are trying to not, quote unquote, break your joints, but take it to a point before it breaks where you say, oh, okay, tap. That's enough. So I tap early mm-hmm. and – I have done, I think really well is monitoring how often the super intense things are. So when you talk about the lower weights, higher reps, so I can show you a study where you would think when you do heavy, right? Mm -hmm. You would think when you do heavy, you'd gain more muscle mass. That's what we've been told. That was the, well, that was what I was told earlier in life. And then I found someone who was super fucking fit. And I watched him work out and I talked to him and he started talking about your growth levels and test levels, increasing those and what he does. And he said, with what you do, meaning backpack hunting and everything else, his advice to me was take it easier on your body, lift for longevity and um, 
and keeping what you have, um, you know, not losing anything. I'm simplifying this basically. Yeah. Um, so when I go in, I do, you know, lots of pull-ups, lots of push-ups, lots of abs. And I do, when I do weights, I'm doing moderate with a uh, little bit high reps, but with short, short breaks and not not walking away to where I can't walk or the next day I'm so fucked up. Right. The next day I, I can hit it again. I don't know if that's right or not. And, and I'm kind of curious on your opinion of it. Coming from a guy who deadlifted, squatted, benched heavy. Same thing here. Yeah. I it, was a meathead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I carried the jug of water around, had my meals in my bag and everything else where I went from working out for an hour and a half to where now when I say working out the lifting portion, I, do, I still do cardio. 30 minutes, 35 minutes, pretty high intensity. That's all I do now. Um, and I don't know if that's right or wrong. It's working for me, but that doesn't mean it's right. Well, just the thing I would caution and I would say, be careful about how often you do intensity. Mm -hmm. Like you pack an elk out. It takes you a day, four trips, five trips. Could you do that four weeks in a row? Every day. Yeah. I, I, you know. You could. You'd be effed How up. would you be? <laughs> yeah, you'd be a problem. Well, you can't think about your workouts as any different. Okay. I do believe, like I, when I say recovery, mm -hmm. same workout, 40% intensity. Okay. Go Because when you start doing heavier, even not even heavier loads, when you start working into levels of fatigue, what happens to your range of motion? Oh, it goes to like, yeah. So what's happening to that cross bridging inside? This is locking up? It's just not going through full range. Okay. So you're teaching it. This is where we function. And then you get to rest and it goes, this is potentially where we function. Mm -hmm. Like to me, range of motion isn't a passive thing. So when you pull on it, you could get the range out of it passively, but does that help it actively go back through the shortened and lengthening phases? Gotcha. So I think what you're saying, which is probably what I do completely wrong, is I will come in one day and just stretch. And the idea behind that is, okay, I'm taking an off day, might do a little bit of abs, but all I'm doing is is the standard stretch that you've been taught since birth where I'm just trying to elongate, in, in my mind, the muscle. Um, and sometimes it won't elongate, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, parts of my body's it doesn't get any better. Now, there's certain parts like my neck. I get kind of door stops in my neck. Yeah, I'll get some more range of motion out of that for sure. Yep. But as far as like larger muscle groups and things that are – how would I say? Uh, Gravity fighters. Yeah, that would be a good Hamstrings, example. Hamstrings, quads, glutes. Those don't like I can. I could. It could take four, like four men and a small baby laying on me. I'm not touching my toes. Well, I can't. That's because you're so strong, though. Yeah. You're trying to yank on something that says this is the range we have for the activity and for the work level that this guy does. Okay. It's not going to change. It hasn't, no. But if you actually did some lighter load stuff, below levels of fatigue, mm -hmm. right? Some lighter load stuff, below levels of fatigue, through a little bit fuller range, 
You're like retraining your muscle kind of? Well, what controls the muscle? Like when I hit that bear, right? It hit him in the heart. Mm -hmm. His nervous system stopped. The coolest part was taking something apart that was still warm. Right. It still could, I could move the joints, right? Those things only do 100% work when they have to. And the hard part for us is the thing that's got me where I am is hard work. Mm -hmm. I'm a workhorse, man. Like you put me on that work, whether I'm able to do it or not. The first time I put my backpack on, I way overloaded it. Mm -hmm. I hiked over a 12,000 foot peak over six miles and I was crippled mm -hmm. for five days Yeah, because I overdid it. Yeah. So my next two weeks was at 40 to 50% effort. It wasn't nothing. It was 40 to 50% effort going through the ranges. So I didn't lose the benefit of that, mm -hmm. but I also, I needed to fully recover. Mm -hmm. And again, to me, recovery isn't, we think, I tell people recovery, they're like, oh, I can't lay on the couch for two weeks. I'm like, well, that's not what I'm saying. Right. Do the same work. Like, it'd be cool if you could get a bow that was half the poundage and you could, but that's more of a skill-based thing. You don't want to change that. You don't want, they've proven that doing the same skill-based thing at a higher load actually makes the skill worse. Yeah. Like I, I, I buy that. Yeah. Hitting a baseball <laughs> bat with that donut on the end. Yeah does not make you faster, better, stronger. It messes up your coordination with swinging the bat, weighted golf clubs. No, I mean, in senior, Tom Clum senior, like, you know, that one thing he said is you need to get a bow rather than 58 pounds, 18 pounds and practice with the, the lower poundage bow. And this is also has to do with former because you're taking all the bad habits of heavy weight out of it. And it, like he, he brought up, he said, if you want to bench press with perfect form, just do the bar. You're going to look like a superstar. Well, same thing with a bow. You and know. that'll help you with your range of motion. Right. Because nothing's limiting the what? The, well, I would guess the range, the range of, motion. of motion. Yeah. So if you want to work on range of motion, same activities, same exercises. Yeah. But you got to pick a load where the range doesn't get limited. Right. And if the range gets limited, it means you might be doing less weight. Like when I hear people say that, like, yeah, but I went lighter. I was like, but what was your level of fatigue at the end? Well, I went till I couldn't do anymore. I'm like, well, that's no different than picking a heavier load. And it'll show like, okay, they did this study where they, they took these guys, they had people lifted at 80% of max and people left it at 60% of max. The way they checked tissue growth, they checked tissue growth, hormone level changes mm -hmm. and strength and not strength in the fact of doing that lift, but torque production. So how much force can I output in this position? Two groups exact same changes. Now, the group that lifted heavier could do heavier lifts, but they had the group that lifted lighter practice heavier lifts as a skill thing, and they could lift the exact same lifts. Okay. So there's no change as long as you're there's no benefit either way as long as you're bringing yourself to points of fatigue. It's just every workout shouldn't.
go to full fatigue. I call those grit workouts. Right. Bring up CrossFit, but one of the things, and I, I read a lot, and anytime I get into anything, whether it's photography or archery, or I, I become kind of a, 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 a sponge, right? Save, save here. And That's why of, I'm here. Well, and a lot of the st- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, a lot of the stuff you all read, being um, you you go off your collective of past experiences, and you're like, there's no way that that's true, but maybe it is. One of the things I read recently, this was from a CrossFitter, is you you work yourself out through pain, meaning if you're sore, you're stiff, you're you're broken down from a workout, just give her again the next day and keep working out until that pain is gone. Don't have a rest day. And I'm like, well, I have not found that personally to be true. Um, I've found more like if I've beaten the shit out of myself, I'm not going to throw uh, with, with a backpack cardio, let's say, uh, you know, 60 pounds and we went in whatever calves are sore, hamstrings are stiff. The next day I'm going to walk with no weight and just it's exactly get the, what I've been talking about, yeah, right? Blood flowing. Like you get it with the stuff you get, the the backpack cardio, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Do that exact same thing with your weights. Yeah. But it's hard to pick up a weight that's not super challenging because you go, a lot of people, they go, yeah, but I'm not doing anything. It's not that you're not doing anything. You're just going below levels of fatigue. Yeah. Which will help your range of motion. It'll help blood flow through the tissue. It'll help recovery. All of it. It's the exact same thing. Just do it with the weights. Do it with the archery. Mm-hmm. I try to speed that recovery we got to get you in and get you on the table, show you exactly what I do, how I go through joint by joint, have you contract super specifically in different positions, super low intensity, super low load. And the majority of people get off the table like, man, I feel like I move better. Yeah. And you know, when you work out that first set, are you ever the strongest? No, no. You got to get your blood. I have to get my blood flowing a little bit. So you know what that process is actually called? It's Mm -mm. called potentiating the tissue. Okay. The tissue gets potentiated. There needs to be calcium inside the tissue for that actin and myosin cross bridge Mm -hmm. to be able to pull together. Even hiking, I'm. I need to do some laps before I'm gonna. It's potentiating the tissue. Okay. Once you start to get fatigued. What happens to your performance? It starts to do what? Yeah, go down. So I try to train people to get closer to that optimal position and they maintain it longer. Mm -hmm. When you're fully recovered is when that tissue's in its best state. Okay. So it's getting it there and doing some workouts where at the end you're the strut like stopping after the warm up. That would be a range of motion day for me. Okay. So ba- basically you walk away when you're at your peak, not when you're at your plateau or whatever. And what's lowest. your body gonna want to want to maintain more often? Well, I, from what you're saying, it want to maintain your peak. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when you feel your your best. Yeah. It's that simple. You know, and you look at uh, completely different. This also just has to do with someone's psyche. But like Frank and I hiking, which we're together all the time, Frank hikes much faster, takes a lot more breaks. 
I hike slower. I don't take any breaks, meaning up up the hill. Now, this is whether we've got 40 pounds or, I mean, the weight doesn't I'm matter. S- I'm the same, slow. It's just I go slow and take a lot of breaks. Now, <laughs> now in, in training, I, I kick the shit out of Frank. Um, I mean, I, I just, I crush him, but mentally, and like I said, this also has to do with the psyche. Mentally, when we're training, you know, let's say the fire road, we start at the bottom, we go to the top, we come back down, we're done. I'm giving it everything I have to get to the top, and then I go slow back down. We kind of stretch and screw around or whatever. Where hunting, it that first task is a sprint, right? It's it's just the, the hunting is a marathon. Yes. And so when I'm going in, I've had people be worry about hiking in with us or me because, and I'm like, man, I don't go very fast. I go at a level I can go at forever or as long as I possibly can longevity and one of the now this came with age too I think this is where I have slowed down I try to get to where my heart rate when I'm hiking whether it's steep the weight on my back whatever variable that heart rate at never peaks over 150 like it's 150 all the time but I'm able to not stop where Frank smokes me when we're going in and then I pass him and then he passes me. And because he goes... It's the turtle and the hare thing. Oh, right. And we've talked about Because sometimes I, I just... If I know where we're going, I will have Frank be the pace man. Because I know where we're going. We need to get there faster. And I'm going to keep up with him, even though I may not want to, because I know we're going to have a break and whatever. And I can push it harder where Frank will have me lead other times because he knows we need to be pretty fresh when we get there. And I will be able to set a pace at our heart rates. Now, it drives him crazy. Uh, and sometimes he'll wait for me to get a ways ahead and then catch me. And then he'll take a break. But I feel, it can, you know, rewind 10 years ago, I would get to the top of the hill and be pretty fucking done. Like, yeah, smoked. But this is what I realized about hunting. Yeah. You have no idea. It could be over on the first day. Yeah. You could go every day. Well, I did this year. <laughs> and it's not over, right? Yeah. So that was the, like when I shot the bear, mm-hmm. I carried it out of the woods, went back the next day, got the cape. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. That was enough for this year. Mm-hmm. Well, the funny thing is I, I hike slow. I go real slow. By about, we went back in the next day and I got the cape. I was back about noon and about 4.30, I was like... I should probably go out and look for elk. Yeah. Where four hours earlier, I was like, that's it. Yeah. I'm done. And I was like, I'm recovered. Yeah. Don't be a, I can say pussy, right? Oh, yeah. We say whatever we want on here. So I'm like, get back out there. You came here for elk. Yeah. Shot a bear. But I, yeah. I'm like, I'm back. Yeah. So my recovery is pretty quick. Yeah. But uh, that's just a different Everybody's mentally different the way they like to push. Yeah. And this is the thing, like the grit piece. You're, are you 40 yet? Yeah, for almost 42 now. Okay, you're 42. If you don't have grit by 42. Yeah, you're probably not going to ever have it. It's not mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. And I, what really happens where with Frank and I is probably too much to where we, well, I blacked out this year. I pushed it so hard that um, 
I, I stood up, electrolytes, the whole, you know what yeah. I mean? And I was having, I got night sweats, uh, cold chills. Well, it sounded like you had a pretty good infection too, right? Well, and that was, at first we thought that might have been it, but that was taken care of. That was gone. Huh. Um, so we went in and the first thing I thought was, and I haven't talked a whole lot of, of, about this, mostly because I didn't know what was wrong. So I had the infection on the hand and the uh, from the cut and whatever, but that was all taken care of. So when we went back out, um, we pushed it hard going in. That still though, that infection still probably increased inflammation in your system. And it was still, even though it was taken care of, yeah. moving the right direction, it was still a stressor on the system. Right. Pre or pre, pre or post or whatever. Yeah. What, and I hate to say anything about not all doctors, but most doctors in a lot of ways aren't great at this specific type of thing. You go oh. in and give you a Band-Aid, right? You oh, go, yeah. in, oh, here, here, here's some drugs. Where I actually recently went in and got my test uh, and growth hormones checked. I didn't want to go to my Kaiser because I'm going to get probably a 350-pound doctor that's not physically fit and doesn't know what I'm doing. So I actually went to FitMD by Armburst because I'm talking to somebody who's fit. Oh, um, yeah. So anyway – we we did the the deer hunt, which took way more energy than I had anticipated. <laughs> it looked like it. We looked like refugees coming out, you know, and and we, you know, we, we good example. We packed Frank's deer out, and there's a shortcut, right? We couldn't take the shortcut. Our legs just didn't have it in us to go straight down because of twelve straight days. We kill my deer when we go back in. We're recovered or, or or more recovered. I got to the shortcut and I'm like, dude, I'm good. I'm going down. And Frank was like, are you shitting me? I'm like, I'm solid. If you don't want to go, I'll go get the truck. I'll meet you at the trailhead. Frank's like, no, I'm, I'm good. No problem at all. Straight down. There's no way I could have did that after 12 days because we weren't recovering the way we should have. So having all that going in the 12, killing Frank's, taking it out, killing mine, taking it out, sitting in a ground blind a few days, 100 and some degrees. We go back in for elk. It's 75 degrees and we're smoking it up this hill. We're pissing sweat and all normal for me, right? This is normal like grit stuff. You're just going hunting. Well, where I'm calling for Frank, I stand up and I hit the ground. And I'm like, like a rhino got tranked. And Frank can see that something's going on. He's like, what in the fuck? And I'm shaking my head. And I'm like, I blacked out, dude. I think I need sugar or something, you know, the normal thing. And, and my piss smells horrible. It's about as orange as your jacket. And I'm like, I got to get some electrolytes in me. So, But I've already passed the point of no return there. I'm not, you know learning more about hydration, catching back up once you're behind is difficult. It's hard. I'm pouring Pedialyte in my water. So we get back to camp. I'm I'm shivering, right? And it, it's not cold. And I'm sitting on the edge of my bivy. We're under the tarp. And I'm like, I think I'm fucked up, man. I was like, I'm shivering. And uh, he's like, are you sick? And I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, when you're getting, usually Joe, I'm like, I'm not sick. I'm were, you not were you taking antibiotics also? No. Okay. That all had been taken, when I say taken care of, or, you know. You had already done the course, but that'll fatigue your system as well and mess your system up also. And it, Yeah. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that and I'm like, well, okay. And I was taking probiotics, which are, are good. You're supposed to take, I take those every day, but I'm like, I need to go get my blood tested and, and check my white blood cell count, see if it's high, because that would see if my infection's gone and whatever. And I'm like... A doctor's not, you know, t explaining all this to a doctor. He's gonna, it's gonna go in one ear and out the other, probably. So 
that night I sweat so fucking bad that I wake up, I'm soaked. My There's literally water puddled up in my sleeping bag. I open my bag to try to cool off and I'm like, okay, let's do a, a quick evaluation of the body. Mm, stomach doesn't hurt. Don't feel nauseous. I'm just pissing sweat. Maybe this is some kind of a neurological electrolyte synapsis thing. I don't I don't know. I've had this happen before when I've pushed it too hard. So next morning I'm good, right? I'm like, I feel all right. We hunt, whatever. The hunting sucks. I'm like, let's go back. Frank wants to kill an antelope. That night in my bed, I I the bed is so wet around my body, a foot in every direction is soaked. So I have to put a towel down and I'm like I'm fucked up. Something's wrong, right? Yeah. Like, and and I don't know what it is, but I mean, I'm I'm wondering. So we go in and I get my blood test. Everything comes back fine, and I talked to a, a David Hoff, who's a extreme long distance runner. Yep. He said, "Dude, after every race, I have night sweats for three days. I've just pushed my body too hard. There's too much." bad things going on to your body. It could be too. Your body just getting rid of toxins, right? Like that's the bonus. You'll hear, I heard Rogan was talking about it with that lady, Rhonda Patrick, about the, uh, the saunas and the sweating and all that stuff. It could just be your body naturally trying to get rid of all the byproducts. Of the crazy work that you did. And I'm thinking it had to have been that where it wasn't a negative thing. No. Because I wasn't sick. I didn't have Giardia, all the normal things, food poisoning. I didn't have any of that shit. Yeah, but when you're in the woods by yourself and stuff like that happens, it's a little scarier, right? Because it's like, okay, I don't want to hit the flight for life button. Yeah. I don't, you know, like- Well, I know for- I'm eight miles from the truck. Yeah, (laughs) we won't hit that button. (laughs) Frank Frank doesn't look big enough to carry- He might be able to carry you out of the woods. I I don't- Frank's a comedian. He's sitting there in his bivy yelling, you know, don't fucking die on me. (laughs) But if you do, I'm stealing your spotter, you know, making jokes. And because I didn't feel- bad. Yeah. I just could not stop sweating. So a lot of people, there was four days I did, or three days I didn't hunt and I was getting messages, dude, how come you're not hunting? And I didn't say anything really. I took three days off. I'm like, I have got to chill for a few days. And I think the deer hunt one, I pushed it probably harder than I thought, you know, plus the infection on my hands, the cut all of it, and, and all of it. And it's hard for me to take a break, but I thought, you know what, we can't, we're not going to Montana. Um, what, you know, there was two days left of big game season here. And I'm like, you know, I killed the deer and that was my big priority. I've got lots of hunts left and the night sweat stopped. Everything was fine. But I'm thinking like, I probably just pushed it way too hard and my body literally was just trying to get shit out of it or or reboot or whatever, you know? Well, and that's where I'd say during the hunting, right? That's worth it. Yeah. There's a prize. There's a, there's the intensity, but in your workouts, mm-hmm. when nothing's on the line, right? there's no prize. Why? Well, I'm learning that now personally, and I mean, kind of breaking this down for the listeners. Let's just take a step, you know, especially ours. Let's take the standard demographic. You probably got maybe guides and outfitters listening, construction workers. I would say we 
cater a lot more to the blue collar. Yeah, group. newbies like yeah. myself. Um, okay, so let's say you've got a thirty-five to forty-five-year-old construction worker who's beat up his body, much like myself. Thought it was, um, you know, doing something like yoga was like not not manly, so I never worked on anything like that. And my range of motion is shit. I'm sore. I've got inflammation. The normal stuff that diet shit. Yeah, and I was leading That's up to that. That's a huge piece. The one thing I learned, and I'll I'll give my two cents, and you throw it in. I got rid of comp or complex. I got rid of processed carbs and sugars, mostly. You know, huge. A, that was such. In fact, Randy Cooling, I was telling him about it. Who he's a bow hunter. Um, the moment I quit drinking soda was a game changer. Years ago, don't drink soda at all. That was the first step. I still had inflammation. I'd squat down, couldn't get back up, knees were sore. I stopped eating processed carbs and sugars. And you want to talk like when someone finds God, right? They won't stop talking about it. They're telling everybody about religion. And that was me with processed carbs. My body, it was such from gut health to inflammation. It was huge. Now, throw your two cents in on there how much what would you say someone if they kicked out processed carbs and sugars and shit in a week i felt night and day different well you're you're putting the right fuel into the right system Mm -hmm. right so i think there's a huge part like i liked the hunting and the fact that it kind of forced some uh uh, not the not eating piece too, right? Mm-hmm. So you're kind of doing these fasts a little bit, right? And so like doing some fasts in there, getting the getting the crap food out of your system, that's going to be a huge piece. What, what I see with exercise is people think they can undo a bad diet. Yeah, it's impossible. With over-exercising. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to lose weight. Well, you should wire that big hole on the front of your face shut. Yeah. And you, like, I ate like a horse. I carry weight. Like, I carry too much. I'm an over, over-packer, mm-hmm. right? Like, I always carry that Helinox chair. I love it because I'm like, I'm not sitting. That first day I, I sat on the bear. I laid in the dirt. Yeah. It, it gets old. Yeah. <laughs> my arm fell asleep. My leg fell asleep. I have an ACL reconstruction that I had. Like, it sucked. The second day, I'm like, fuck that. I, I'm putting <laughs> put the chair up. Yeah. I'm chilling. But I brought all good food. I bought paleo crunch bars and meat bars and all that stuff. I can't, I ate like a horse. I came out of the woods. I typically 100, 195, 200 pounds. I came out of the woods 182 pounds. Yeah. I'm like... And I probably ate 2,000 calories a day, 3,000 calories a day, but it was all good food. Yeah. Like when I went out antelope hunting with Alex, which was a very interesting. He just eats a Butterfinger the entire day. It's well, a- <laughs> and I was like, I watched it. I was like, how old are you? Yeah. What's he, 20? 20, 28, 29. 29. I'm like, I, I, I kept trying to give him some of the food that I brought. Cause I'm like, eat, eat this instead of that. Well, did he tell you when I, cause he was talking, he like, I eat all day, right? I eat every two hours. I'm a snacker, Yeah, but I'm eating very, you know, Quality raw food. almonds. I yeah. eat meat sticks and he sits there and he's got like a ho-ho and a butterfinger and drinks coffee. And he was talking Reese about eating buttercups. Yeah. He's like, I, well, I can't put on weight. And I'm like, well, no fucking wonder you can't put on weight. I'm like, that's shit food. Yeah. I'm like, you can't. And, and, and he's, um, what is it, ectomorph or whatever? He's a naturally skinny guy. He's inseam? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Pant length. Oh he can my. walk. Well, I'm 5'8". Yeah. I got a 30-inch inseam. Yeah, he's probably he's 34. He's got a 38. Yeah, it's long. We, and you know how you got to go over the fences and stuff like that. Well, he steps over the fence. I'm like, hey, man, I'm going to lose a testicle here. <laughs> yeah. Like, he had to pull the fences up for me. Like, it, it was pretty interesting. And, and we're, we're stalking antelope. Mm-hmm. And he'd look back and be like, shh. Like, dude, I got to take four steps. Yeah, yeah. How am I going to be quiet? You're taking yeah. two steps. <laughs> yeah. And I got four. So it was, yeah. The the diet thing is a huge piece. Yeah. I think that's a huge piece. That is the hardest piece because we're addicted. Oh, yeah. Well, and by, I by no means am a dietitian. No, me either. I learned the hard way, meaning you get to a point where you think you're eating healthy in life, which for me was probably in 2006, 7, 8. And then I learned I'm not eating healthy. I'm I'm I may be eating healthier, but I'm still not eating healthy. And then I learn I say learn fresh or frozen, you know, try to stick to fresh vegetables, you know. Anyway, and then I you know as I've learned more, when I say I'm not a dietitian, I can't break it down at a molecular level. I can't troubleshoot, but I can tell you this is pretty good to eat and this is not pretty good to eat. And I've come to people's houses who are trying to you know diet and get healthy, and they've said, just tell us what we need to get rid of in our cupboards and fridge, uh, so we can kind of start off. And I'm like, all of it. You need Any, to get rid of all of it. Anything that's in a box or a package. Yep. The only thing that I have found like. In a box, there are some um, almond flour bread mixes, and there's certain things so that are the minute, the the 0.001% in a box. That analogy in a can, in a box, don't buy it, right? It's it's bad. Well, I don't think people realize, and I've gotten shit from people about how my high horse of eating healthy, and it's like, look, I was a fat fucker, and I have a problem eating cookies. I'm not coming at you from a you know, a 140-pound long-distance runner, I'm telling you because I weigh 250 pounds of fat and this big butt crack hanging out of the front of my shirt, and it changed my life. Well, we're addicts, though. I'm an addict. Oh, yeah. I'm a creature of habit, too, and I have issues with repetitiveness. Everything that—well, that's why you're successful, but that's also why we—that's why we break down and have issues, too. Yeah. Right? Like, again— I will do work mm-hmm. as long as it produces results. Right. The hard part in that is I'll become addicted to shooting a bow. I'll become addicted to studying about hunting. I'll become addicted. My wife's like, Jesus, is, is this all you're going to do till yeah. December 31st? <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm going to try to involve the kids. Yeah. Right. So they can get out of her hair and all that stuff. But it's the same thing with the sugar, though. But sugar is actually addictive. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it is. Well, that's why, like, we don't go, oh, my God, Aaron, if I don't get broccoli in five minutes, I'm going to kill somebody. (laughs) Yeah. But the Coke, the cookies, the it's just trying to it's being smart about what you eat. And people like it's not that hard. Yeah. Well, Go ahead. You want if you want really good information, that last Rogan podcast they did with Dr. Rhonda Patrick, like I still have to go back through that, take notes. Like there's some podcasts, like when you guys did the gear thing. Mm-hmm. Pause, write that down, pause, right. write that down, pause, write that down. And same thing with something like that. There's some things I want to add into my diet that micronutrient-wise yeah. sound really good. 
because it's just going to help the system. But that's a that's a a, a, a chemist. Mm-hmm. That's not a nutritionist. Yeah, a chemist. A biochemist knows that stuff. Right. A nutritionist is just giving you the information that the biochemists come up with. Right. And then using research and science and not doing the bro science thing. And it, it's like the weight on the arrows. Who knows how much I got catapulted fucking backwards from bro science. Because if I have someone I trust, whether it be you or Tom Clum or whatever, and they lay out the path – I'm diligent. I'm following that path. Because it makes sense. But if your path is from bro science, you're on the wrong path. I mean, You could be. Yeah, I should say some bro science is correct. you might be on the right path, but for the wrong reason. Yeah. And eventually you'll be like, well, that was stupid. Right. Why would – that's what I've been trying to do my whole life is, okay, I've been getting results. Why? Yeah. Why have I been getting result? There, this whole weight of arrow thing, right? Right. There has to be a calculation, has to be, where speed and weight are optimal. Right. For your force production, mm-hmm. and maybe it's a target that measures your force production. Right. But that's got to be different at different distances. Mm-hmm. And arrow flight plays into that. So, like when someone goes, "Oh, it's a heavier load." I'm going to get stronger. Well, weight isn't the only factor in resistance. Right. So the faster you move a load, heavier or lighter. What now? I make sure I get this. The faster you move a load when you work out, heavier or lighter. Um, I'm not sure what you're asking, so explain it. So I got a 150-pound load. Yeah. And I snatch it over my head. Right. When I start... Get it moving. Right. It's way more than 150 pounds. Oh, I see what you're saying. As it's yep. moving through the range, as it's moving through the range, it's getting lighter. Is it any resistance at all? No, not once you pass certain point. So how am I going to get stronger if I'm not doing any resistance? Right. That makes sense. I mean, again, like when you're talking about like the snatch, which I am not a, a fan of personally. It's not. It's just an exercise, but. If you're trying to build strength mm-hmm. through the entire range, right? good or bad exercise. I think it's bad. For building strength right. through the entire range. If you want to get better just at the explosive part at the bottom, it might not be bad. Right. Like people do that to me all the time. Hey, Matt, what do you think of yoga? People wear tight clothes Get in a warm room and get in weird positions. That's how I look at it. But <laughs> then, then they go, no, but what do you think of it? People wear tight clothes, get in a warm room, and get in weird positions. Yeah. Do you want to know if I think it's good or bad? For who? Yeah. On what joint? Like, bring your wrist back like this. Does it go to 90 degrees? Not even close. Okay, so every time... You smash your hand into the ground. You're forcing your wrist to 90 degrees. Right. Could that cause joint problems in the wrist over time? It seems like it, And you realize the wrist, uh, the majority of the muscles in your wrist attach at your elbow. Right. And I have elbow problems. You do a lot of push-ups? A shitload. (laughs) You force yourself into 90 degrees. Now, could we get that range back? But is it sexy? Is it cool to do wrist exercises? No. And I'm, I'm, and I'm struggling, especially light wrist exercises. And I'm struggling with, 
when I say struggling to fix my elbows, because I had a lot of people message in of, hey, man, it's probably a shoulder uh, wrist issue. It's it's transferring down through. It's on one end or the other. It's probably not necessarily the elbow. The elbow is what's flaring, but it's some connective tissue issue throughout that's so, causing the and, problem. And what you need to be careful of is when people give you advice like that. Hey, Aaron, I'm having a problem hitting the center of the target. What's the problem? Yeah, I need a lot more info. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we just looked at your wrist range and it was probably 45 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's pretty close. Could that be a part of it? Oh, I'm sure it could. But we got very specific information from a, that's what I try to do with people. Right. Let's look at the joints. Let's look at where there's range. Let's no, look at where there's not range. And this, the thing is if I try to tell you where it's, where it's a problem mm -hmm. without having opened up the hood a bit. Oh my God. Yeah. I always do this with clients. I'm like, Hey, it's really weird. So you guys use Japanese auto service. They're great. Mm -hmm. I got Toyotas. I'm yeah. a Toyota freak. I got two old land cruisers. Man, the other day the check engine light came on. I took it to the shop. Do you realize they looked under the hood? Yeah. <laughs> I told them the problem was on the dash. Yeah. And they kept looking under the hood. Yeah. What? You uh, have to investigate. Austin, the chiropractor guy that we deal with, he's the same like you. He He's like, look, man, he, he said, I need to look at the whole body. And, and, and he's fixed issues with me um, a lot like what you're talking about where – it may have been four feet from the problem, but the problem wasn't in my calf muscles. It was in a tight hamstring or it was in a, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and I, but I think male pride and um, uh, maybe the way you were brought up has a lot of, is a lot of the issues with what you're talking about. It's hard. It, it is hard. It, it it's been difficult. What are you well, talking about? I work out all the time, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Well, but one of the things um, going in to get my my test and growth levels checked or whatever, um, the lady who is who I'm going to get her on the podcast. She said, um, "You're extremely fit person. You know, I was at twelve seven body fat. I was very hydrated. Um, I was." 2300 basal metabolic rate, which I guess is pretty good. I'm burning good calories for my age. Um, we have a lot of muscle mass. Imagine that. And, and she she broke down the muscle. Okay, this is what my bones weigh. This is what my muscles weigh. This is what my fat weighs. They, they break it all out in a, like an avatar and very thorough. That's cool. And she's like, well, why are you here? And I said, honestly, to, to be very redneck about that, I'm here for the drugs. If I need hormone replacement therapy – that's why I'm here. You know, I didn't really come in here for the diet. I like all of the things you're doing. I need to know if my head injuries and my prior steroid use has caused long-term effects. I just want somebody that's fit, that understands it, not my doctor who doesn't. Right. Um, to, Unless that's to, his specialty. Right. Which is, he's a family, you know, whatever, family he's practitioner. GP. Right. Yeah. They are a what they do is very, like you, very specified. You know, they're a, they're a scalpel, not a hatchet. So they're breaking it down. It turns out my growth levels are almost non existent. Why, you know, who knows exactly? There were several theories, 
So she broke it down much like you do of here's what you need to do on your own with your workouts that can help raise your growth levels. Here's how much we're going to give you and then see how it looks and, you know, test me every four weeks. And then here's your diet that'll help. It's hard for a man to do that and admit I'm fucked up. And or it's hard to deny, though, that a test shows you you're fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Well, I, and, you're, and the way that I am, like, I don't, on those aspects, like, they ask questions. Do you have suicidal tendencies, which can happen when your growth and test levels are low? Are you depressed? Can you get, are you horny? Are you, and I'm like, some of these I'm checking the box, like, still horny, not as horny as I used to be. Am I depressed? I don't ever get depressed, but I do get tired. Like I, and I do get lethargic. And it's hard for men sometimes to even go to the knock on the fucking door to the building to find out where with me, I'm like, look, I want to be at my peak. I don't give a shit what question to answer. But five years ago, I couldn't do that. That's too manly. Well, you're growing up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm growing. And you're realizing that there's people. You have a very specific specialty. That's why I like the podcast. Mm -hmm. And there's people out there that have super specific specialties. You nailed it right there that I I keep looking at it. If I wanted to go learn to survive in the woods, you would come to me. If you want to go run a marathon, you don't come to me, even though I know some fitness stuff. Well, there's people much like yourself and the lady Jennifer with their experts in their field. Why wouldn't I go see them? It's it's. It's really interesting to me the thing with exercise that I see with people that like, okay, let's say you got a maximum. I use all these I use all these uh, analogies with people because it helps them, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say you had a maximum of $100,000 a year you could make. Mm-hmm. Would you rather do it two days a week or five days a week? Uh, two would be cooler, yeah. Well, what if there's a maximum of how fit you can get? Mm-hmm. Would you rather work out two days a week or five days a week to get that? Well, some people would say five, though. Most people would be there. They'll hesitate to say five because they know it's irrational. Right. Because they go, yeah, but if I do this in two, if I double it up, mm-hmm. I'll double the benefit. Yeah, one good, it's two's better. not how it works. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll say, listen, okay, you're a trainer, let's say. I hire you to train me. I have one goal. One goal. I want to be six, two. Yeah. (laughs) Don't laugh at me. Yeah. I want to be 6'2". Yeah. But that's genetically impossible. Right. Just like I realized when I got to wrestle in college, holy crap, there's some guys in here that are just genetically more gifted than me. I can make a lot of that up with work. But like the fights that were on this weekend, Khabib is a beast. Yeah. He messed Conor McGregor up bad. Yeah. He's been doing it longer. And both those guys are super gifted. Yeah. But there's just ability levels. Yeah. And that's the thing. is like you knew this with lifting weights. There's a certain amount you could get to on bench. Yep. Could you get over it? With drugs. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> but you went beyond your genetic ability level. Yep. But there's consequences to that, which you're starting to see. Oh, yeah. You take drugs to supplement your hormone levels. 
And it's possible that your body stops producing those hormone levels. It would. Well, it, they do. When you take the amount of tests, you know, and I just broke this all down with them and they already know all this, but what I was taking, which I was taking too much because I didn't know any better. And, and I've had- Because more is better. It's a very good way. When I said that one's good, two's better. When you get into this and you're with a group that one is more and two is better- it, it's bad juju, right? Yes, and, and the bias is crazy. So I was taking 1,200 milligrams of enanthate a week, which is a lot of test, way more than I needed to. But I didn't know any better. And I'll get guys that chime in and be like, you dummy, whatever. I'm like, I just spent 30 minutes telling you how dumb I was. I don't need you to reaffirm, right? I know what I did was wrong. And I recovered. It took six months to kind of get back on track where I wasn't a psychological wreck. Um, but long-term... I don't know how much using that, uh, using steroids has affected what's going on now. It could be genetic, could be from that, could be from head injuries. What I can tell you 100% is when you, whether you believe in, in God or, or anything else, when you have surpassed the ability level that you were gifted from birth and you push past that with drugs, the human body was, in my opinion, the joints, the the, the connective tissue, you're pushing past what it's supposed to hold or, or what it can handle. Things break. And that's where I'm, I'm facing with now. Not in my legs as much. I don't have a, a whole, I'm good, but my elbows um, are See, a big one. I think though, I think soft tissue wise, I think there's some things we, we could do yeah. to help that. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I don't know. Yeah. But five, six, 10, 12 hours of checking it out, playing with it, messing with it. I think there's some things we could change. Modify your exercise a little bit. Mm -hmm. You don't have a the the hardest part of exercise is compliance. People actually doing it. You don't have that problem. Right. It's just making it. If I could make it less work mm -hmm. and get you more benefit, mm -hmm. does that sound appealing? Oh yeah, yeah. And again, that's you just call it targeted or whatever else, when you're like me and a reader and you're reading things and I'll try a little of this and I'll take a little of that and let's see if I can fix it, that may end up working. But generally, it's a hell of a lot quicker to walk into a door professional and he'll break you down in four to six hours and he'll say, this is what you need to do compared to six months of, I'll try a little bit of this. Maybe I'll try some rest here. I'll stretch this. You might be hurting it in some way. You know what I mean? You may be causing more problems. You don't know what the fuck you're doing because that's not your profession. Well, even just using speed as a variable in your exercise, right? So think about like a leg press. Imagine if you took five minutes to do one rep. Mm -hmm. One rep. You'd be smoked. But yeah, depending how on much the weight. Load, how much load would you be able to use? You'd think by a 70% reduction of your max. Would you be fatigued? Oh, yeah. And you realize getting stronger is all about what? Fatigue. I mean, okay. breaking muscle down. So you're using less load. You're getting super fatigued. Yeah. What's the risk go up or down? You'd think on, it'd go down. On the joints, ligaments, tendon. The resistance changes weight less because of the speed. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because again, load isn't resistance. So if I just say today, hey, start messing with speed of reps mm -hmm. as a variable in your workouts, you think it's going to change anything? 
I would think it would because I've already started to and it has. So that's the thing. Now, is it magic? No, but it's just a variable. Right. And anything you do in a workout, if you like, what's the best workout? Well, anything you do for six to 12 weeks, your body adapts to now it's not the best workout anymore. And you need to do what? Change it up. So you need variables, load, speed, distance from the axis, all of it changes the resistance. Right. And I, and diet, I have found, is the same way that you need to – and some of this was bro science in the beginning, but your cheat days, the day you shock your body yes. or whatever. What I've noticed is – w- Amy, my wife, cooks organically. We eat super healthy, a lot same, of red same meat. Same with mine, yep. And then I go to Alabama or Alberta or BC and I eat shit. I actually lose weight when I come back. Now, I'm not saying I lose weight at the time because I'm taking in shit I shouldn't. But I think, and chime in, my body's like, holy shit, something's going on. It kind of kicks into hyperdrive. I come back. I go back to eating healthy. But my body has kind of kicked into hyperdrive, like, what the hell is going on? This is a very redneck way to explain it because I went a week of eating shit I haven't eaten in a year. Yeah. And then I Shock come back. Shock to the system, and, stress response. Yeah. And then I come back and it's almost like my metabolism kicked up. What I don't, Who knows what it is? And I actually, of course, I fast when I get back too initially. When I say fast, I don't mean I don't eat for a week or whatever, but I mean when I get back – a lot of times, um, and we change up our diets all the time. We, I'd be interested to think about this because everybody breakfast is the most important meal of the day. We will wait until ten o'clock. I don't eat till noon. Yeah, and 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 initially, I had so many people and at the gym. They were like, "Are you are you kidding? You don't eat till 10? Because I had to fast for the blood test. And they're like, "Are you hungry?" I'm like, "No, I don't usually eat till ten anyway." And but for for me. If I'm doing a lot in the morning, I may eat earlier, meaning if I start training at four or five. But I've always had one better luck with starved cardio for a fat kid losing weight. Um, But two, in general, my most active time is later in the day than earlier. So I'm wanting to eat when I'm doing more active things rather than coming to work and sitting at the desk. Yeah, but there's some really good benefits to fasted cardio as well. Yeah. Right? So – I've had much better luck with starved – I say starved cardio, fasted cardio. Fasted cardio because um, you're not – are we really starved? Yeah. Well, I look at it that way Don't too. Don't eat for five days. Yeah. That's starved. I was going to say you can die after three, but you know, you look at it how many times on the mountain you've run out of food and you've been fine for 12 hours. Yeah, you're hungry when you get back. But when you talk about – and Americans in general, this is because of Americans because um, we're, we're kind of lazy weak, and fat. We're weak that way. Right. I go to the gym and they're like, did you bring food to eat after the blood test? And I'm like, no, on the way back, I'm going to grab a peanut butter bar, kombucha, and an Epic bar, what you know, a meat stick. Not real worried about it. I'm not going to break down what I do for work. I'm not going to you know, go into the whole nine yards, but I'm thinking – most of the people that come in there probably haven't went 12 hours without eating unless they sleep 12 hours maybe in their life. Well, I, I've been trying to teach – this is a hard thing to teach kids. Yeah. I've Because I wrestled, right? Yeah. I used to cut from 195 pounds to 158 pounds. Oh, God. That would kill me. It, it, it's horrible. But it's doable. 
Mm-hmm. It's totally doable. Oh, yeah. It's just mentally brutal. Yeah. So like my kids, they do this, I'm starving. Yeah. Okay. When's the last time you ate? We just go through these questions. Yeah. When's the last time you <laughs> ate? Two hours ago. Do we have a plan of the next meal in place? Yes. Are we working towards achieving that goal? Yes. Are you going to die? No. (laughs) Then calm down. Yeah. Because we get that hangry thing, right? Yeah. And people use that excuse to be an asshole. Yeah. Like, okay, being hungry is not an excuse to be an asshole. And I I tell you, I- It's hard with kids. Oh, yeah. And I get, well, Frank and I have talked about it because when I get hangry, it's to the point where I've pushed past hangry, the polite hangry. And I've gone into like a a level to where I I have got to eat soon, which is twelve to fourteen hours in high activity. And and as I've explained to Frank, I'm like, Frank, my hangry and your hangry are different. My hangry has gone past hangry to a point of I'm really going into the negatives here, meaning it's been 12, 14 hours since I've eaten. Depleted. Not, yeah, I'm depleted. Like I need to eat. And and it's funny when I say it's funny but when i was a fatty i never had got hangry i i because i had so much stored fat you got stores and now i mean i go four hours i'm getting pretty hungry now am i hangry no i hit to eight i'm starting to hit pretty hangry and then i go to 12 i better fucking eat like i need to eat and a lot of that is mental and most people haven't had to push themselves well, you talk about like being alone. Most people haven't been alone more than four hours in years. Right. You talk about being alone like Frank for eight, nine days. You know, I, I ended up having people on the hunt, but I've done some 14-day backpack hunt solo. All of those things seem to me are a collective of your 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 upbringing, your, your collective of how much you've gotten your ass whooped, your mental stability or mental toughness you were born with. Um, all of those things kind of combined. And, and as Americans, we're pretty weak when it comes to all of those things. Well, that's why I, I have a tendency to uh, identify with people that do like combat sports, wrestlers, stuff like that, because they've suffered, mm-hmm. right? It's our American way of suffering. Yeah. But they've done a little bit of suffering. Yeah. like, And that's what I realized, like carrying that bear out of the woods. I had 80 pounds, 75, 80 pounds worth of meat. Probably my pack was 25 pounds. Mm-hmm. Had 100 pounds on my back and it sucked. Yeah. Well, and you become- Until it was over and then I was like, that was awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, and you get um, desensitized to where the 100-pound pack out becomes more of the norm. Just like if I had to go in and grapple with you, I'd be fucked up the next day, right? I'd be like, <laughs> oh, that's it. You know, and 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 whether, you know, leaving skill level out, obviously your skill level is much higher than mine, but we just go at it. Your body, you've been used to grappling. So Mentally, you, I'm used to it. Yeah, it, it, exactly. I get beat up every week. The whole nine yards. And I beat people up. And, and so you compare that, I, I'm going to look like a bitch, right? I'm just going to. And then, but now, hey, let's go on the mountain. Your ass is going to get eaten alive and I'm going to be laughing at you. But that's what I have trained for. That was where, partially why this year I wanted to do a bunch of solo stuff. Because I'm like, I, I don't want to have to keep up. Right, right. I don't want to, I just want to see what I'm capable of. Yeah. 
And uh, I really wanted to see if I could do this thing on my own. Yeah, which is good. And that's probably how you're wired anyway. But you know I, what I mean? I like, used to not be. I used to hate being alone. Well, and I, when I say wired, I should read not alone, meaning wired into test yourself. Yes. You know, a little bit of a trial by fire, but without maybe hindering someone else or whatever. And it's the same thing. Like very few people, men specifically, are going to go out in a public place and try something right off where they could be embarrassed because we're men and we're prideful. Not not all men. Uh, I know for me, if you're going out and playing with a camera, you're not going to be embarrassed from that. But put something physically out there where you're going to get made fun of or laughed at. Men have a hard time diving into that. And in your case, that's not what I'm talking about because you can't really get made fun of. Well, you can get made fun of for hunting, but it's more – I probably wouldn't want to go and do road miles on a road bike tomorrow with a group of guys used to it. I'm going to hold them back. What the fuck I'm doing? I need to practice more. Exactly. And and that makes actually sense. But if you talk about somebody, you know, hey – Go get on a balancing ball or whatever in front of a group of people at the gym. You don't see too many men hopping on different mobility, stability, balancing things in a gym because you're going to look like an idiot. Now, I bet they probably would do it when no one's looking yep. uh, in practice. Oh, so, yeah. But So I've got a, a few questions for you where we can maybe uh, – it'll parallel what you do compared to hunting um, to, to help – Maybe get people like me that are all screwed up in to 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 get some assistance. But initially, what what made you get into hunting? Oh, I I or pick up a bow. Well, so I I moved to Colorado to teach this program, mm -hmm. and I traveled forty to forty five weekends a year. I traveled all over the world, and we'd start at the foot, and we'd work our way all through the body, every muscle, every joint. Uh, muscle function, how to assess the muscle function, all of that stuff. So I did that from 2002 to 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. And uh, so 12 years of that. And uh, I didn't really have a life outside of that work besides my family and my kids. I left that and... Uh, it's interesting because I heard a, uh, you did the podcast on your lawsuit slash divorcey thing. Mm -hmm. I went through a lawsuit with a guy that I left working for. Mm -hmm. Really messed up process for about two years. And when that came to an end, I was like, I I'm doing something for me. Yeah, I'm doing something new that I suck at mm -hmm. for me. And I always wanted to hunt. Didn't, I grew up a lot in the out of, outdoors. Like my family's from Maine. Uh, we camped a lot. We spent a lot of time in a tent. Uh, but my dad was just never into hunting. And uh, I really, for some reason, getting into this whole food thing and quality meat and all that stuff, I was like, man, if I'm going to eat meat, my wife is way against like inhumane treatment of animals and all that stuff. And I was like, I want to provide my own meat. Right. And uh, I wanted to do that whole process. And uh, I'm not a gun guy. Mm -hmm. I'm not against guns. I've shot guns. I got friends that are way into guns. But it doesn't trip your trigger. It doesn't. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? The best bet's a bow. Shooting a bow sounds cool. So I went over to No Limits. 
I met with, I think you call him Hognuts. Big guy. Jason. Yeah, yep. Really nice guy. <laughs> yeah. He looks angry a lot. Yeah, he's a good guy. He does look like a he's dick. He's a nice guy. It's <laughs> funny, though. He set me all up with a bow. And it was funny. It wasn't until, and this is just my, it might be, I don't know, me making this up. But it looked like he's kind of like, okay, here's another one of these guys. He's going to spend 1600 bucks on a bow. I won some money in the lawsuit. Mine actually worked out kind of well. Yeah. I got some money in the lawsuit. I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I didn't buy the nicest bow. I think I bought like an $800 bow, but I spent another $800 on the add-ons. Which is smart. Nice, nice rest. It made sense to me, right? Like, well, the aiming's got to do with the sight. The rest has got to do with the arrow flight. So I spent more money on the Component. components than I did the bow. And it kind of felt like it was like, okay, here's one of these guys. He's going to buy a bow. He's never going to shoot. He's going to try and kill something. He's never going to kill anything. Mm-hmm. And I think after probably the second or third month mm-hmm. of three or four times, two, three, four times a week of being in there, yeah. in the beginning it was more because I was – yeah, infatuated or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I was neurotic. I think probably the first month I saw you in there. Yeah. And you were shooting over at the 40 yard. And I said something to you. You had a Gladiators Unleashed shirt on. Yeah. And I said, oh, you know Luke. And I think the only thing you said to me was, oh, he sucks at hunting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And probably. then I was like, well, that guy didn't seem very nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I wanted to provide my own meat and- once I got into it, holy crap, I was like, wow, this is a rabbit hole. Yeah. The the fitness part, the the skinning of the animal, the processing, like the all I was like, wow, this is awesome. Right. It was awesome. Yeah. So I I, I got into it and I started studying. Uh I took the alpha bow hunting class. Dana was in my alpha bow hunting class. Oh, okay. And uh that's how I got turned on to Kafaru. Mm-hmm. Uh I think I had gotten a uh Kuyu Bino harness. Mm-hmm. She goes, you're going to buy one of our packs, right? <laughs> and it was funny because I I actually ended up selling that bino harness once I started figuring out the gear and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I got Alaskan Guide Creations and I just kind of started going down that rabbit hole and I wanted to provide my own meat. I wanted to see what the process was like. Right. And it was funny because it's not you can do it inexpensive, mm-hmm. but if there is a bonus for spending a little more money on quality stuff, mm-hmm. I will do it. Right. Which right? is a good if, way to look at if it. If I can get the same thing for cheaper, mm-hmm. I'm in. Yeah. But if I can – if you spend a little more and you're getting better stuff, okay. So I, I just went down the rabbit hole and uh, yeah – it's been awesome. Yeah. Well, and you know, you look at um, if you know you if you could explain your story and your thought process and what you've found or whatever you want to call it through this, you know, through your, you know, if you're writing a book, these chapters of that book to people that are in the unknown or maybe anti-hunting or you know, there's a lot of we haven't done our 
very good job of selling hunting in some ways to people. You know, it, it gets a black eye and for good reason sometimes. Um, well, I, I have, I spend an hour with clients every day and I do eight to 12 sessions a day. Right. People that totally against hunting, not against hunting, but just didn't know. They think it's awesome now because I get like, if you haven't noticed, I get excitable. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's so funny because I tell people like, oh, I killed a bear. They're like, well, what do you do with that? You can't eat that. Yeah, I get that a lot. And I said, have you ever had bear? Well, no. I was like, well, then how do you know? Mm -hmm. Armchair experts, right? It's funny because I have a girl that comes down from Wyoming mm -hmm. and her family's been hunting forever. She goes, you got a bear? Bear's delicious. Yeah. And I'm like, you're the first person that said that. Yeah. So it's funny because I already got to give a bunch of this bear away because People want to try it. Well, if you need me, come over to the house. We have plenty. If you well, want to try everything. I want, <laughs> I want to do that for myself. I have a bunch of clients who hunt and they've brought me meat before. And I'm like, I, I should be doing this. And now I have the time because yeah. now I just work during the week. Weekends are off. I took a nine day uh, hunting trip. Now I did it the soft way. I got a sweet RV. Yeah. I slept in a bed. I did hike probably 10 to 15 miles every day, mm -hmm. but I'd always base camp back at the RV. Right. You know, uh, and I did two, three nights in the woods. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. First night in the woods under your tarp. Yeah. With no opening, no close, like it's not closed. I didn't sleep, <laughs> but from probably about four to four thirty. Yeah. Cause I'm like, huh. I'm out here, yeah, by myself. Well, and you 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 become desensitized to yeah. that too. And to so exhausted, comfortable. Yeah, that helps. That too. you just sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, what? Um, and and it. You know, we talk about like with Amy, my wife was the same way. Uh, she didn't eat red meat when I met her. Um, more for a nutritional. You know, just it's pretty hard to find beef. Isn't the greatest in the world. But. Well, but you know what's funny about that? So in that, in that podcast, the Rogan podcast I listened to, the majority of that information about red meat, the majority of the studies have come from people that eat also a traditional American diet. Mm -hmm. So is it the red meat or is it all that stuff we were talking about before? The confounding variables, like confounders are a very interesting thing. Like you're eating sugar, processed stuff, all that stuff and meat and your health is horrible. Well, they've looked at people who eat healthy and eat red meat. Mm -hmm. They're just as healthy as people that don't eat red meat. And, and I think with what where Amy was looking at was the – in some of the farms, the inhumane treatment and yes. the steroids. Yes. Um, and so – when we got together, I was like, hey, just Google it. You can pull up the um, how healthy all of this is. And so she did and, and she's a cook and she's enamored by this stuff and, and the human anatomy as well as animal anatomy. So her thing is she wants to go on one of these hunts so she can help me cut it up because she wants to see how we debunk. So fun. Yeah, and, she, she, and she's into that kind of stuff. So as time went on, you know, we're bringing mountain goat and moose and she's making all the – now she, we eat meat every day and total change. But some of her friends are like most Americans – ignorant to real life or highway 
a chicken doesn't have a soul, a fish doesn't have a soul, and if you buy saran wrap beef, it's okay because you didn't get to see it die, and that's well, fine. They kill their animals with a credit card right. at the register. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to do it all myself. Oh, yeah, and she really enjoys the fact that she sees the photos. She sees what happens. She, you know, we bring back the deboned meat. She wanted to go to the processor with me, so she she was very much into all of this, which is good because it's without talking too much about Instagram and social media. You know, conservation is is a, an aspect of it that's more than a hashtag, and and then also the putting the best foot forward or, or representing hunting in the best light. Um, is another aspect of things that we can do better and getting people like yourself that are interested in it um, or just neutral to understand the process that uh, you're not just, you know, the, the, the meat from the store is, is obviously was alive and walking around once too. There's nearly no difference. You're just doing it by, you know, on your own, you're bringing it home. The nutritional aspect is another, you know, part of it. You know that, that elk probably didn't receive any steroids, right? It's living wild and free. Um, and and so when you kind of going through all of this, was there any friends and family when you were talking about hunting that were like, what the hell are you doing? Or was it all pretty or, – or, or clients? Uh, kind of, you know. But I'm pretty good at laying out a rational argument. Right. Like in all the stuff we've talked about today, related exercise. Mm -hmm. Did it make sense? Yeah. And it's rational and I use analogies, hopefully that makes sense to you. Mm -hmm. Like that's, again, the thing I liked about this podcast was the talking about inertia, momentum, weight, all that stuff. Like there's a scientific way to figure out everything. Right. So there's some blowback and some people like, oh, I wish you didn't have to kill something. I'm like, will you eat meat? Right. They're like, yeah, yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. I do the same thing. I was like, well, I just don't want to ignore the fact. Yeah. Well, I, I've had people message me, which this, you know, I don't get in long debates that I shouldn't shoot deer, elk or bear, um, stick to fish and chickens because they're a lesser species. And I'm like, well, does that mean the people that are failing high school, we should just kill them all? Like, the, you know, the humans, like they're a lesser speed. They're not as smart as I. I'd be fucked. I'm not a very intelligent person. If we were to go take a test, I'd be shot first. I'm up there with the fish. <laughs> so I'm like. You got a good skill set, though. Well, I just, I, the way that some people rationalize in their brain, it's okay for me to eat fish and chicken. They're a lesser species than a deer. Yeah, that person, though, isn't open. Yeah. <laughs> To, like, it's impossible. It's just like people in the exercise world. Yeah. Well, you just don't understand. I'm like, I, I understand fine. You have a thought process that is – it's a religion. And I'm not downing religion. I'm a spiritual person. I don't – I've studied a lot of different religions. But the religious fanatic is the scariest person. Yeah, I would agree. Because they're not open to anything. And I don't attract, for some reason in my life, I don't attract religious fanatics or I drive them away mm -hmm. because I just don't tolerate it. Right. Like you can say that all you want. I'm sure people in this podcast, 
that guy doesn't know what he's talking about relative to exercise. Like you talked about CrossFit. Yeah. People ask me about, what do you think about CrossFit? It's high intensity, super high risk. Mm-hmm. The high risk part is why I now, don't do it. Did I say good or bad? No. It's high intensity, high risk. I have some clients that do CrossFit. They just don't do it very often. Mm-hmm. And they don't try to beat their record every time. Right. There's a reason there's world records. Because mm-hmm. there's things that are not attainable. You can't get better at something every time. Yeah. There's limits. Yeah. Well, the the high risk is the and and again maybe this is I would just say because I I'm kind of a pussy and I don't want to get injured because of hunting I don't do certain lifts anymore not because they're necessarily a bad lift they are a high risk lift and we could go through the load mm-hmm. how the load changes weight. Mm-hmm. via the speed, right? the distance from the axes. We could look at your setup and see specifically scientifically why that is a high risk for you. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of it, when I say high risk, because I have, when you do a clean and jerk or a snatch, there's a lot of pushing and pulling going on with the elbows. Um, the, and, and, you know, where, and I've ripped biceps off that I'm like, okay, I could do a one-arm dumbbell snatch with moderate weight, with high intensity, get my heart rate up, get a lot of the same things out of it, which is, for me, a much lower risk than, uh, you know, doing 225 um, or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I'm going to modify my workout to where I still get good benefits from these things with much lower risk. Well, why take your risk in that when you're going to take the risk standing in front of a grizzly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you say, I'm a pussy. Yeah. But that intensity I felt standing in front of that bear, mm-hmm. nothing's going to equal that in the gym. Yeah. And there's no point. Now, if I was, if I was, I work with a bunch of MMA fighters. Mm-hmm. Their job is to tolerate heavy loads Mm -hmm. and they get in the ring and take a risk. Should they push the workouts a little bit harder than us? It seems like they should. But they're going to make $200,000. Yeah. How much money do you make from working out? Yeah, none. Uh, Well, or my normal salary, however you want to look at it. But yeah, what did uh, Khabib just made $2 million? Well, he hasn't gotten it yet. He might not get it. (laughs) And then McGregor made three, something like that. So that's the thing. Like, should they take more risk? Yeah, probably. Of of course. Now, the question is, though, should they take the risk in the workouts or do they save it for the fight? Right. Do they do it? This is the thing I've tried to get across to a lot of the MMA guys that I work with. Like, hey, man. Be careful about the risk during the weight workouts. Leave all the risk to the sparring. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. You might keep your, your weightlifting workouts to 80%, mm-hmm. 70% effort. Whereas the th- one thing that I do 100% as far as my workouts go yeah. is jujitsu. Right. It's high risk. Right. And I would say, I guess, in paralleling that, like when we do cardio, backpack cardio, that's 100%. Like we're, but that has a very specific purpose. Exactly. And, and, I, and you know, when I 
going through all this, and by no means as people are listening, and do I am I saying I have it figured out? I think I have it figured out. Something's pretty good for me. Yes, um, of course. That's the way it always is. Yeah, and so. I don't run very much. Um, I'm not saying I shouldn't run. I probably should. Do you like it? I hate it. Then don't do it. That is exactly (laughs) what I've tried, you know, because I've had people tell me you need to work on things that you're not good at. I agree with some of that, meaning if I'm not good at indoor shooting and it helps my concentration, There's an arguable valid point that that will help in the time of pressure with an animal coming in. I agree with that or I can I can buy into that if I could do something different that gets the same outcome that I like. Well, fuck, I'm going to do that. So earlier (laughs) I said the thing about compliance, right? Mm -hmm. The hardest part of exercise. Yeah. Is what? Compliance. Doing it. Yeah, yeah. Why would you do something you hate? Yeah. Now, I can rationalize a lot of things. I hate hiking just to hike. Yeah. I love hiking now. Yeah. Because I'm looking for animals. Yeah. I'm scouting areas. The thing that makes me the saddest about all of this, I spent so much time in the woods and I've never spent any time going, well, I does that look like a good place this type of animal would hang out? Right, right. And what I feel behind in is recon. Right. Like you guys have all these areas. Yeah. And hunters are funny because you're like, well, where'd you hunt? Oh, that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're not going to give up a good spot. I'm like, "Uh, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Does anybody want to adopt a 46-year-old <laughs> newbie yeah, no that will help you in a whole bunch of other ways besides where to hunt? Well, and, and and you do find that where, you know, it's swapping spots, though. You can oh, yeah. come hunt my and, – and that's also because there's a risk. I could tell people where you took me and you could tell – you know, so you, you've got that. And, and hunters are – a strange breed in a lot of ways. Um, Some people are really forthcoming. Oh, yeah. I'm more forthcoming to point I've lost friends by helping other people um, because I don't worry too much. I mean, I've always been successful, meaning I've always put animals on the ground, but it is hard for humans in general to bring people up around them, meaning like Frank, let's say. I want Frank to become... You know, another me in the sense of me to where he's more of an authority and and, because it takes pressure off of me and and everything else. And I want Frank to succeed because I like Frank. And it just feels good. I am a competitive guy in a lot of things. But when it comes to hunting, when Frank and I go out, there is no competition, which I love. I love the fact that Frank and I, neither one of us are worried about who shoots something bigger, who shoots something first. It's just that we're both successful And Frank is the kind of guy I would have to lie to him if I shot an animal because I know he would give up his hunt to come help me pack it out. So when I say lie to him, I just wouldn't tell him I got it until I absolutely without a doubt needed him to help because he would give up his hunt. Hunting with people like that is enjoyable. It's awesome because no matter what, you know, they're going to help you. And no matter what, you know there's not going to be some big dick swinging contest at the end of it. Like somebody messaged us whose deer was bigger and Frank and which Frank's deer was bigger. And we kind of sent a message back as a joke. 
Well, Frank's deer was bigger, but mine was older. But Frank's bear was older, but my bear was bigger, and our turkeys were a tie. So I guess we're even. Who gives a fuck? Like, why does that matter, you it, know? It, it, in getting into this, it's funny because the way I took the pictures of my bear and all that stuff, I, I went to the Department of Wildlife and I asked the guy, I was like, how old do you think this bear is? And he said two and a half. And then I, and then I took the skull yeah. to the taxidermist who looks at a lot of skulls. Yeah, he said eight or 10. No, he said four. Okay. But he said it's really hard to tell yeah. the age between four and like 16. Yep. So tell you the truth, I got, it was my first animal ever. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. It just cracks me up. Like I get it. Once you've killed 50 elk, 20 elk, whatever, you're trying to get the bigger species. I'm trying to put meat in my freezer. Right. And well, I tell I, you what, like a, a, what tastes better, a cow or a, 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 a veal cow? Yeah, a veal cow. <laughs> there, there's an argument for shooting a potentially younger animal. Well, we, me specifically, especially from a, an exclusive group of, of people, um, have gotten bashed or whatever for the – pushing the meat movement, um, meaning what are you out there for? Nothing wrong with trophy hunting. I mean, Alex is a trophy hunter, yes. right? He's, of course, that's his job. But if you're um, privileged enough to hunt private land uh, or you're privileged enough to have an unlimited amount of time off or guided hunts or whatever, you're going to be more selective. If you're hunting public land over the counter, in a lot of ways, you probably want to shoot the first thing you see. Not all the time. I, I probably am, unless it's a, a female bear with cubs. Yeah. Or something that's maybe a a, a, a doe with two fawns. fawns right. Right? Well, and, and the depending upon how you look at it or what you're doing, I've never been a good trophy hunter. I like to just shoot shit and I like to eat meat and I kind of just always like whatever. And then as you get into known in the industry more, you have like, uh, I mean, I never felt it because I don't give a shit, but a pressure to put bigger animals on the ground or whatever to where I kind of looked, uh, you know, I, like, what are you out there for? Okay. Some people are out there to get away from their wives. They just take a vacation and hunting's part of the byproduct and they hang around the campfire. There is nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's your deal. Yeah. Some people are out there because they want the challenge. They want to get the shit kicked out of them. They want the adventure. You know, they want to see beautiful places and that's great too, right? But the people that are out there, um, and I'm not saying that they're taking away anything from hunting, but some of the black eye you do get is when a mid-road or anti-hunter looks into the, picks up the sheets, looks behind the curtain of what hunters are doing. And when a hunter only talks about inches and only talks about the size of the rack, I'm not saying in a hunter's mind it degrades hunting because it doesn't. We all talk about that. But an anti-hunter or a non-hunter mind that we have to stay mindful about, it does kind of look like we're a bunch of bloodthirsty assholes that are leaving the meat and only bringing out the rack. And this isn't my fucking opinion, people. I talk, we're in Colorado. I talk to people on the trail every day. And one of the biggest things is, do you leave the body? 
And I'm like, well, how the fuck did you get that from? How did you get that we just leave the meat? And a lot of them, that's their perception is we're just taking out the rack where I get criticized because I leave the rack a shitload and bring the meat because I really, you know, racked and that big of a deal to me. None of these are necessarily right or wrong, but it does have a the way that hunting, the numbers of hunting are going down, right? And the number of people moving into certain states and the anti-hunters, you really do need to do your best to promote hunting for what it's supposed to initially was, which was collecting meat. Is bow hunting, though, going up? Mm. Man, I would hate to have to say without lying because it, I would be interested, which we should do, um, is is pull all these numbers in because it's easy. You just how many tags they've sold in the last seems, ten years. It seemed it seems busy out there to me. It I I would I would have <laughs> to say for Western hunting, I would have to think the Western hunting numbers are going up because there's more fit people. Yeah. Right. People are way into it. Rogan has a huge influence on people. Yeah. Right. And he talks a lot about it. But maybe just because I'm so ingro- like interested, it seems like bow hunting is up. Right. And I think numbers wise, if I was to guess, I would say bow hunting numbers are up. Rifle hunting numbers are down. I would guess. Um, it, it, and that's just me guessing. I know hunting numbers in general are down, um, especially in, in states like Colorado where there's color, people not from Colorado moving in that are opposed to hunting. But I think um, – which you getting into this, you know, why you're on here talking about this is a good example. If you could enlighten a lot of people on how hunting works, what you do, the fact you're eating the meat and all of that – in a very intelligent way and breaking it down so it's not uh, – so you don't look like a redneck shooting shit out of the side of the truck. Um, I think that hunting would be looked a lot – looked at um, on a much brighter light than how it has been portrayed in the past because we haven't done a, jo- a great job policing ourselves in a lot of ways. It's just amazing to me how many things you have to get good at. So probably my biggest – the thing I didn't do the most this year was animal behavior. Mm-hmm. So like first thing I did, got a bow. Well, I don't want to wound something. I don't want to hurt something and not kill it. Right. Like the thing I felt the most proud about, that arrow went right in front of his right shoulder and out behind his left shoulder. I had a fixed broadhead on there and an iron wheel. My arrow weight was 474, I think, which is still a little low. Good weight. Yeah, I'd like good. to get it to 500. It's just that's going to cost a lot of money and take a bunch of time because I don't know how to tune. Like I got to do – like people don't get how much – okay, you change your arrow. The bow is set up to the arrow. Right. So now I got to get rid of all those other arrows and move to a whole new setup. It's like, Jesus, man, that's going to take, then you got to get dialed in with it. Then you got to get used to shooting like that. But 474 with a cut on contact. It went right to that freaking pretty, pretty lethal setup. And shooting 274 feet per second. Like you can, I wouldn't change, I like heavier arrows, but that is a good weight, and you'll go through just about anything in North America. Yeah, but the only thing, the only reason I want to change that is I'm shooting gold tips, mm-hmm. Hunter XTs, yeah. and the fins on it, yeah. when I'm in wind, yeah. 
make it do some weird stuff. Yeah. So I'd like to go to maybe a little bit longer veins, shorter. Is it necessary? No. No. But if you're, if am you're, am I neurotic? Yeah, I was gonna say if you're a neurotic person, then it, it's, 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 it's almost just, a must. But <laughs> I had to buy everything this year. Right. So it's like, holy crap! When you're like. Hit the five thousand dollar mark, and then your ten thousand dollar like it's like ah. Yeah. Plus, I'm doing. I still have a uh, deer hunt with Alex mm-hmm. coming up November sixteenth to the twentieth. Yeah, you'll like that. I am super stoked for that. Yeah. That shit is just expensive though. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he, because I'm new, he's you know been great to me. Yeah. Been super helpful. I did the antelope hunt with him. That was my first time ever shooting an animal hold, like first 30 minutes, zero to a hundred miles an hour. Oh yeah. And uh, I didn't know if I was going to have a hard time shooting at a live thing. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah. But I also got so freaked out. Like I didn't want to waste the meat. Yeah. I wish I would have slowed down and processed the bear slower Mm -hmm. and enjoyed that a little bit more. But I was so freaked out that it was going to go bad or. But when you're doing it solo. I mean, like if I was there, Alex, you would have hit slow mo because we know the parameters. You I know, don't, yeah, I have you're no. brand new, yeah. <laughs> oh when you think about the first time a, a fight, let's say, um, or uh, the first time you wrestle or whatever, <sighs> oh yeah, muscles are tense, adrenaline's flowing, can't remember shit. Same thing with an animal, right? In some ways, uh, I I thank God for me. I have a I have a, an ability to slow things down and I don't forget what happened. And I'm but very. But you've done it. it. Yeah, I was just going to say, it didn't start out that way. The I, first. You fucking remember what happened the first I time. I took four shots at antelope. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know there was a bubble on my bow. <laughs> now, I might catch shit for, for admitting that. Right. But he's like, well, was your bubble level? I'm like, what? bubble right there's a oh the bubble yeah (laughs) yeah but when i shot the bear because i got to stand pull back aim between the trees i was like okay bubble level don't because when i was shooting with alex when i was shooting the antelope i think i was pulling the bow because i was trying to see i i was pulling the arrows to the left yeah because i was trying to look at what happened yeah but that was a learning experience oh yeah you know so there's just so much I don't know. So like the thing that people I think don't get, they don't get all that goes into this thing, man. Yeah. Like it is a lot from shooting a bow to bringing the right equipment in. What if you get in there and you kill something and you don't have the right stuff to get it processed? And a lot of that happens. You know, I mean, that, that happens to the people every year. The beauty of the internet, though, is you can learn it all. Yeah. You can never gain the experience. Right. But what I try to do for people in exercise is I've messed up this way. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have to mess up this way. Yeah. It's just you'll recognize it sooner. Mm-hmm. Because of listening to someone with experience. Well, and, and when you – it is hard to in any uh, – whether it be a car wreck, a shooting, a fight, a whatever where there's high adrenaline, it's hard to keep your shit together, right? It's so much fun though. Oh, well, and that's – it is addictive for one. You know, and I'm not saying a shooting is addictive, but I mean a high adrenaline for some people is, is addictive. And 
being able to, like I did, uh, I talked about the don't lose your crap rock after you shoot an animal because you lose your mind, right? You're not thinking correctly after you've taken an animal, especially your first few. Well, I shot that bear. You know, the first thing I did, Alex, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> Thank well, God he answered the phone. Oh, he because well, he was calling me when, when you were hunting it. And uh, and I was thinking back to your your first to animals that you've killed, right? Of what and you go back and you know if the first time you killed an animal, if you're raising a hunting family, was maybe not even you, but your dad is five, let's say, or or five to ten, which is average. You didn't may not have pulled the trigger, but you've experienced some of that, and then you get to where you have at twelve, and then so by the time you're eighteen. You've got – well, fast forward, you're 43. 40, what? 46. 46. Okay, well, you have a lot of other experiences, but nothing can mimic taking an animal. It just no. doesn't happen. It well, was crazy. Then you're, you're – did I kill it? Okay, well, if you saw it fall, now it's like, holy shit, what do I do? You'll forget your rangefinder. Knives will be left out. You'll make – you know, you just don't make conscious great decisions because of the adrenaline where if you're with someone – Okay, that takes a huge load off if they know what they're doing and you're learning at the same time. It's no different than martial arts or what you offer. You know, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing when it comes to like what you're talking about with the stretching things. I can pretend I've learned some shit off the internet. I've had some people tell me some things. I'm not an expert at it. And hearing you talk about it definitely brings back the first times I was hunting. It was, it was awesome, man. You, it can't, it's not repeatable in my opinion. I don't it, think people realize it. Well, killing something... It's kind of weird. Yeah. But wow, I just put nine months worth of work and I put that arrow through and I probably got lucky. It was perfectly through the animal. But lucky or not, you definitely have more confidence the next time you go and you're you're another notch up. Well, that confidence thing was an interesting piece because like the first time I went out hunting, I came back and I was not confident. That my bow still shot straight, right? Because I hadn't shot it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I told, I was, I looked at my wife. I was like, I have to go to the range. Yeah. She's like, What's wrong with you? <laughs> I was like, Well, I just walked around with my bow for all day. Yeah. And I don't know if it's messed up or not. Got to double check it. <laughs> and now I'm starting to feel more confident. Yeah. That that doesn't mess your setup up. Not very often. Got to take a fall or something. But I didn't. I I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Only only time. Time and experience. So it it was such a cool experience. Mm-hmm. It was cool that it was a predator. Uh, I don't know why, but it was cool that it was a predator. Yeah, definitely helps the adrenaline level. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you get desensitized to all kinds of things, whether it be cliffs, predators, whatever. When yeah, you- but that might take me... If I get one to two animals a year, yeah, that might take me ten years to get through. Oh yeah, well, what you've seen now, I'm pretty. Which puts me at fifty six. Yeah, what? And 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 when you're a guy like Alex, right? He's doing it all year. That's what he does, right? So it's cool to see how excited though he gets. Yeah, for someone else. Oh yeah, well he 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 is a, a guide's guide in the sense of he truly doesn't need to go hunting because he gets. I mean, he likes to hunt, but he gets so much out of other people's success. And he's such a good guy. Yeah. No, he's a super good dude. And I mean, 
when you, you know, he's not a backpack hunter, but he's backpack hunted, right? Um, very knowledgeable with mule deer, very knowledgeable with antelope and, and very, you know, he, he's, he's been on so many different hunts at 28 or nine, right? He's where most people doing it on their own, you know, like, like you and I, you started, I started, it takes a lot of years where he's putting down 30, 40 animals a year. Well, just watching his Instagram page, right? So I went whitetail hunting. Uh, the last two weekends up in Nebraska. Yeah. Well, I found some corn fields on public land. Yeah. So what did I do? I walked down the rows with my binos yeah. <laughs> looking down the rows because I'm like, well, this is what he does. Yeah. And what do you got to do? Fake it till you yeah, fake till you make fake it. it till you make it. So like. I'm going to go back to those cornfields and just keep there's, and the crazy thing is you look at all the deer tracks around the corn. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to kill. Yeah. It, it might sound bad though. I don't, again, I probably won't kill a doe with fawns. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Well, and I've yet to kill a deer. You shouldn't because you're starting. I can't go bigger. Yeah. Yeah, and you might get a buck, right? You might. The thing is, is you're we have realistic expectations of what you're you're doing, right? And <laughs> and I I I, I I'm have a noob. oh yeah, well, and I ha, you know I have lots of guys that message me like going on my first elk hunt, not looking for a three fifty bull, but a good bull, and I'm like, well, aren't we all like? It, there's there's kind of a, you may get lucky and shoot if a, a bull cow your walked first out in front of me though. Yeah, I would have shot it. Well, but you're in it for the meat as well, right? And and are you in it for the meat or are you in and it for I whatever? I just have to get experience. Yeah, yeah. I have to gain experience. You can't get experience not killing things. Yeah, yeah. Trigger time is important, whether it be Ooh. shooting rabbits or shooting deer or whatever, the more experience you get. What – um, I got to go to a meeting here in a minute, but what – like if you – um. Like kind of starting from the beginning, I guess, from when you first picked up the bow, what would you change, if anything? Ten years. You go back more. <laughs> well, that's the thing is you can't fast forward experience. Yeah. I, I I wish I, before I started buying things, Yeah. I wish I would have listened to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just trying to find a good mentor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like- the funny thing is you've been a mentor. You just didn't know it Yeah. with the podcast. So like doing it the way you do it, because a lot of the podcasts are, they just annoy the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. It sounds like bro science. It sounds like people trying to sell things. Yeah. Uh, I like the little more, like you always apologize for the redneck thing. I, I like that. Yeah. I like the realness of it. Yeah. I like the... Obviously, you have what you like, mm-hmm. but you say that. Yeah. I have what I like. Mm-hmm. When I give advice, I try to be careful about what I like and what's appropriate. Right. And uh, you can't, it's just like 10 years from now. And the reason I did this is because when I retire, I want to spend the whole, I want to do what Fred Baum does. Yeah. That guy. Is his job hunting? No, but he hunts a lot. A lot. Yep. And he, and you know, Fred's one of those unique guys who has a. He has the opportunity. Well, he has a background that catered to starting hunting. Yeah. And then he has, 
He's he's one of the very few people that if we said, hey, you need to pick five guys, the zombies are coming. He's a guy I would grab. Well, so it's interesting. Like the one big thing I took out of the podcast, you have to spend time in the woods. Yeah. So I did the first two days of season. I did a nine day trip. I did three days with Alex. So that's nine, 10, 11, 15. I spent 20 days in the woods. Mm -hmm. At day seven, I killed a bear. Mm -hmm. Ever hunting. I got lucky, yeah. but I got lucky because I, I hiked and I hiked and I hiked and that may not be good for scaring animals away, but I found a carcass. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then I sat on it. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to find a carcass in hundreds of thousands of, of acres. acres of woods. <laughs> yep. So it's to me, probably the biggest thing I took out of the podcast was you have to be, you can't kill stuff. From the couch. Yeah. No, you can't. And, so, and you can't learn from the couch very well either. Not just, as easy. Just time and experience. And this is something that's a lifelong, like all my endeavors that I take on, lifelong endeavor. Do I know a lot about anatomy and the human body and all that stuff? Yeah, but I still don't know shit. There's a lot of people that know more than me. And there is a lot more than people than that that know less than me. Mm-hmm. So have I probably said some stuff not totally accurate, probably, but am I going to get smarter with that? Yeah, because it's a lifelong endeavor. Right. And that's what the hunting thing for me, like what I would say to someone new starting out, man, don't start a month before season. Yeah. I gave myself nine and I still was like, wow, yeah. I don't know shit. Yeah. Now, a lot of the guys at the range that I saw the month before season, that have been hunting for 10 years, but only have 10 months experience, Mm -hmm. I probably feel like I have more experience than them. Yeah, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. Right? So I fast forwarded things with my neuroses. Yeah. No, which is good. And I mean, it it definitely catapults you. What, uh, where can people find like what you do and, and everything else if they're looking for you? So I don't do much Facebook anymore. Uh, On Instagram, I'm the underscore muscle underscore project. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can catch me there. Matthew James Bernier. You could search that. Uh, I got a little office right near, you know, where Little Man Ice Cream is down by Spear and I-25. I know where that is. So I'm right at Spear and I-25. I got a little shop. I do uh, one-on-one sessions five days a week. Well, hopefully less than that as I start to pick the hunting up a little (laughs) little more. But uh, yeah, um, if you're just confused and all the information's confusing out there, I just take a rational, empirical, so try to use data and science to help people with the long haul. Right. That's, That's my thing. I think what'll be interesting is get me down there so you can pop open the hood and then come back and do another podcast where we can talk about all the things I'm fucked up with and well, the, and the path in, to take. And then in six to nine months, yeah. a year, mm-hmm. like I always do that with clients, in a year, would you be happy if a lot of the issues were gone? Mm-hmm. People are like, a year? I'm like, you're 50. Yeah, it took you 50 years to get this bad. One like, year to come back isn't bad. Like, I am still the noob. And five years from now, I'll feel like a noob. Yeah. 
But that's why you go out, you throw yourself into the fire, you get after it. Yeah. Right? So, uh, yeah, I, a long-term, long, I'm a long-term guy. Right. No, that makes sense. And I mean, we got to cut this off pretty quick, but the way I explain to people that are slightly or, or heavily obese is it took you 40 years to get that big. You're going to take, it's going to take you a little while to get small again. Like it's, it's, if it's, if you do it slow, it's sustainable. Yeah. Sustainability. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's where I'm like, you got to look at, you can't just drop 20 pounds real quick. Cause you're probably going to gain 40 back when you get off the wagon. You got to stay on the wagon and look at longevity piece by piece, brick by brick. And so it's, it's sustainable. Like you said, people that don't understand hunting, they don't look at it as a lifestyle. Yeah. This has now become a lifestyle for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on here and I definitely want to get you back on and, and I need to get down there. I'll have to have you look at me and see how screwed up I am. But uh, it's probably not that bad. <laughs> yeah. But man, I it's, I, way, it's way easier to tune a Ferrari <laughs> than it is to tune a Yugo. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> That's funny. Well, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on, though. All right. Cool. All right. Take it easy, everybody.